Uh, we're going to look at verses 9 through 11, but before we do that, James, thank you. Cue the video. We'll come to that soon. And um, just watch this. So, I have this serious problem with Christmas presents. Don't worry, no soapbox is here. No, see, the problem is actually with me. <sighs> I hint at the gifts, you know? I spill the beans and I ruin the surprise every year, but I can't help it. I love it so much. Mommy, I need you. I'm coming, sweetie. Spoiling the surprise kind of reminds me how God works. He likes to hint at big things, like the way he hinted about that very first Christmas gift all those years ago. The Lord himself shall give you a sign. And the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and he shall be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Yeah, he was preparing the gift already. God packed up the greatest gift that the world had ever seen. Not even he could keep it to himself. He gets me. And God didn't just let the surprise slip once. No, he let the cat out of the bag nearly 300 times in the Old Testament. We call them prophecies. But Here's the big difference between God's prophecies and just spoiling a surprise. One is giving the gift early, but you don't get to open it. And the other is God giving us a gift of hope while we wait for Jesus to come. <laughs> Do you see it? He wasn't telling us a secret. He was making us a promise. Because. We humans, three chapters into the creation story, we managed to mess it all up. Yeah, we needed saving, desperately. So God kept sending us hope through his prophets and messengers. And that hope was the gift of his son, the Messiah. And there will never be a greater gift than Jesus. And the cool thing is that hope isn't over. He promises to come again and take us all home. So the gift is just right there. The question is, will you accept it? Very, very good. How many sleeps left before Christmas Day, church? Seven. Who's counting? Ah, oh, really? Really? Well, the seven sleeps, seven sleeps to go. Who's looking forward to Christmas Day apart from me? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, isn't it? It's a basic question, but it's a good question. But perhaps not for the reasons that most of us would think. Um, I'm not sure about that one, actually. Not sure about that one. Because here's the thing. As the lady said in the, that video we just watched, presents and all of those things, they're all important. Um, in fact, it's important that we acknowledge that and that we um, share that with one another. And we do, and particularly for our kids. And we're looking forward, this Christmas, I tell you, it's just 
Can't wait. I can't wait. It's exciting in our house. We've got the grandkids are all going to be there, or at least, at least most of them. They'll probably come in and out during the daytime. And, um, and someone said to me uh, the, other, the other day, well, the, the, the kids, you know, Dad, Granddad, Dad, what, are we, what, what do we buy you? And I said to them, I really don't want anything from you. Just be here on Christmas Day. Let's enjoy fellowship together. Let's enjoy the food and the fun and the family. Let's do that. Now, presents have their place. I'm not saying don't buy presents, darling. I'm not saying don't buy presents. Buy presents, that's fine. But you know what's most important? Is the celebration of what this is all about. And my hope, my hope this morning, church, is that you are remembering something infinitely more important than the food, the fun, and the fellowship that you remember who it's all about. It's about Jesus, the real reason for Christmas Day. You know, last week, Mike preached a great message. Mike here this morning? Great message, mate. Really was. I was sitting there during, during the service, and someone said this to me afterwards too. You made so many incredible points. I wanted to write them all down. They're on to the next one. And I'm just going, stop, Mike. I want to write it down. That was a great message, mate. And Mike preached this message if you weren't here. He was looking at the, um, uh, uh, the, the, the title of his message was, Why Christianity and Is the Bible Really from God? Looking at it through the lens of the creation story, Mike was able to show that despite all the doubters, church, all the cynics, all the skeptics and dissenters, that the Bible is indeed God's word to us. It's worth noting, church, on that point, you know, that, that although the Bible was written by, um, they think, between 35 and 40 writers. They can't kind of nail it down specifically because a couple of books they're not quite sure about. It could have been Paul, it could have been somebody else. But let's say of the 40 writers that wrote the Bible, here's my point, there's only one author, and that author is God. And from Genesis to Revelations, Revelation, it points in one direction, for one purpose, to one person. And who is that person? Jesus. Here's a question for us, church, when we ponder that. Why is it that history's best-selling book, something that you also said last week, Mike, best-selling book by far, has one overarching focus, and that is the person of Jesus the Christ, the Savior. Well, here's the answer to that question. Because it's through him that we come to know the author, God. Colossians 1.27 says this, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mercy, and it should come up on the screen. The glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that incredible? That this Christ Jesus, Tory, lives in you. Isn't that awesome? To think that the creator 
of the universe lives in each one of us. Isn't that mind-boggling? Stop and think about that for a couple of seconds. Jesus, God, who is God, lives in you, Carl. Wow. It's mind-blowing. It really is. I love J.B. Phillips' translation of Colossians 1.27. He puts it this way. The secret is simply this. Oh, there it is. Christ in you, yes, Christ in you, bringing with him the hope of all glorious things, and you could put the word in yet there, yet to come. The Apostle Paul who wrote Colossians goes on to say that this this hope of glory we're talking about this morning is not hope as in, oh, I really hope that 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 does happen. It's not hope as in hope so. It's not hope as a wishful thought church. It is, in fact, the hope of assurance. The word hope in this passage is a hope that is guaranteed. That's the context. And this morning, I want to pick up on the person of that hope. So let's read Matthew 2, verses 9 through 11, which you probably turned to earlier on. Let's read it together. After they, talking here about the wise men, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the child with his mother Mary, uh, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Here's a question for you. How many wise men were there? Who said three? Put your hand up. We don't know. We just know there were three different gifts. Could have been 20 of them, all giving gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's just a little bit of a trick question for you. We don't know how many wise men there were. Let me tell you something about this baby that came. This baby that the wise men came to worship was born in the humblest of settings to a couple of nobodies living in a less than prominent town called Nazareth. There was no public fanfare, yet when he was born, heaven was filled with the songs of angels. His birthplace was a cattle shed, yet a star brought the rich and noble from thousands of kilometers away to meet with him. His birth was contrary to the laws of life, and his death was contrary to the laws of death. Yet no miracle is greater than his birth, his life, and his resurrection. He had no cornfields or fisheries, yet he spread a table for 5,000 and had bread and fish to spare. Imagine that. He never stood on expensive carpet, yet he walked on water. His crucifixion was the crime of crimes, yet from God's perspective, no lesser price could have been made possible for your redemption and mine. When he died, few mourned his passing, yet God hung a black cape over the sun. Those who crucified him did not tremble at what they had done, yet the earth shook under them. Sin never touched him, 
Corruption could not degrade his body. For over three years, he preached the message of good news to anyone who would listen. He wrote no book, he had no headquarters, and he built no organization. Yet 2,000 years later, he's the central figure of human history. The perpetual theme of all preaching, the pivot around which the ages revolve, and the only one who can redeem the human race. And his name is Jesus the Christ. The real reason why we celebrate Christmas, church, he is the reason why we celebrate Christmas. Contrary to how secular society portrays Christmas and celebrates it, Christmas is not about gifts, it's not about food, recreation and rest, not that those things are unimportant, they are important and we should do them, we should follow through, they're certainly important in and, in and of themselves, but that's not why we celebrate Christmas church. Christmas has a more profound and deeper significance than that. The word Christ actually in Christmas is a reference to Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one. The suffix though, mass, M-A-S, Christmas or Christ's mass, evolves from an old English word commemorating the birth of Jesus Christ. So here's my question to you. What do you get when you take Christ out of Christmas? You simply get a festive day. That's all you get. And that's what secular society has largely done with Christmas. It's made it about gifts, fun, and food. It certainly includes those things, but that's not what Christmas church is all about. Christmas is about one thing, about one person. First, Christmas is about Christ. It's all about him. And he's the reason why we're here this morning. I'm assuming that most of you here are believers. Would that be true? If you're not, we should talk afterwards. I'm assuming that you are. He's the reason why we're here. You know, when you've read the Old Testament, you've heard all of the matchless oratory of the prophets you still realize that God's voice had not yet answered the deep questions of the human heart. And it's only when you open the Gospels and you begin to read about this Jesus, the Christ, who he was, what he did, where he went, what he said and how he acted, how he lived, and all that, then all the utterances of the prophets start to make sense. They merge into one great voice, and we get one final word to humankind, and that one final word is Jesus. He is the beginning and the end, the alpha, the omega. So in response to the question, why do we celebrate Christmas? We celebrate Christmas, church, because Christmas is all about one person, and that person is Jesus the Christ. That's point number one. Here's my second point. And there's only two. 
If Christmas is about the person of Jesus Christ, what does that then mean for us? What does that mean for us as followers of Jesus? Well, Paul in Galatians answers that question for us. Galatians 2.20 says this, I am crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now, I want you to stop and think about that, the implications of that for you right now. Read that verse to yourself and ask yourself this question. What does that mean for me? Zoli, what does it mean for you? I am crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. What does that mean to you? See, because I think that's the question. If we're going to worship this person called Jesus, who we do worship, who we are called to worship, to honor, we did that this morning when Katie led us in worship. That's why it's called worship, Katie, isn't it? Because what are we doing? We're putting the King of Kings in the center. We're, putting, we're honoring him. We're putting him up there in the, the place of reverence. We are setting aside the, the stuff of the week, probably. This is what usually happens for me. I get to put all that stuff aside and focus on him. So what does Christ, who lives in me, mean for you? This is such an important question, church. Well, here are some of the implications. I'll rattle, I'll rattle a few off, and you might have some that you can add to it. Some of the implications of Christ living in us. Well, firstly... When we gave our life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came to live in us, came to live in me. And by the way, do you realize that the Holy Spirit is in you 24-7? Welcome back, you two. Just come back from your honeymoon in where? Australia. Welcome back. Good to see you. The Holy Spirit is with you, church not just when you're feeling good or, or when, when things are going wrong and you call out to him, which we should do, but he's with you 24-7 through the ups and the downs. He is there all the time. Here's another one. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us, we are not alone ever. Think about that. If you're somebody who lives on your own and you're a follower of Jesus, you are not on your own. That's good news. We have him, the Holy Spirit, if he's in us, to guide us. We have someone who knows and understands us. And my wife says, Paul, that's a miracle where you're concerned. <laughs> he understands me. He understands you. He knows your innermost thoughts. He knows when you're down and he knows when you're up and everywhere in between. This is the God we serve. This is the Christ in Christmas church. This is what we're celebrating. Goes on. We have someone who hears us. We have someone who loves us. Listen to this. 
no matter what. No matter what. Church, when I drop the ball, and sometimes I do, not very often now because I'm a bit more mature, um, but yeah, I do. Still loves me. Katie, he still loves me. I'm his boy. Isn't that awesome? Ellen, isn't that wonderful to know that? You know, when you ran the cat over this morning, the neighbor's cat and killed it. Yeah, God still loves you. Neighbor doesn't. God does. That's a joke, by the way, folks. He didn't run the cat over. Did you? <laughs> All right. Very good. Very, very quick. Here are some wider implications then. The ones I've just shared with you are personal, you know, to me, are personal to you. But the wider implications of this, this Christ living in me, living in you, wherever we go, we represent him. We actually represent him. Wherever we go. With, the, with, with, the, with Christ living in, in us, the Holy Spirit in us, we live out a different set of values that church often are at odds with the rest of the world. Have you noticed that one? Here's another one. A wider implications of Christ living in us. We are called to give hope to those that have no hope. See, wherever you go, church, and here's the point, you carry him with you wherever you go because he is in you. Have you noticed how secular society is desperately trying to take Christ out of Christmas? Here's a couple of examples. Um, they're now replacing Merry Christmas with Happy Holidays. Here's another one currently trying to rename the traditional Christmas tree as the holiday tree. It's true. And here's one I found the other day. Some are even trying to remove the baby Jesus, Mary and Joseph, from manger scenes. What's left when you do that? A couple of cows, a trough, I don't know, a bit of hay. <laughs> I mean, ask yourself, but seriously... This is what society is doing, secular society. That's what they're trying to do. But I don't want you to focus on that. Here's what I want you to focus on. The world may be able to take Christ out of Christmas, but they can't take him out of you. They can't. You know, when the team go to Thailand, um, February, they will take Jesus with them. They will take Christ Jesus with them. When we walk through the airport, we take him with us. When we walk into our hotel, we take him with us. When we go to meet people up there who don't share the values that we share, we take him with us. They will take him with them. Colossians 1.27 says again, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, 
the hope of glory. Because Christ is in them and he's in us, how the team then speak when they're up there, how the team behave, what they do in Thailand church really matters. It really matters a whole lot. You know, the shepherds understood the importance of this wonderful truth. After they were told about the birth of the Savior, they quickly hurried off. They went looking for this Christ child. They left everything. I think we miss, we miss this part of it. You know, when we, we, we look at the manger scene, I think um, we can miss some of the important underlying truths that are there. The manger scene, of course, is Jesus is the focus, is he not? This baby. And, and that's what we see. We, we, if, if I were to say to somebody who did not know about um, uh, um, uh, Christmas as we understand it, and I talked about the birth of, of uh, sorry, the manger scene, that's uh, immediately that thing about the baby in the, in the, in the trough. It was, a, pig, uh, it was a, a food trough, by the way. Humblest of beginnings. That's what they would probably think. But, you know, think about the wise men of which we don't know how many there were at a church now. Now you understand that truth. Think about the wise men. They clearly were people of substance. They were people of wealth and position because they bought these expensive gifts to give him. They left everything behind to follow him. Do you know how long they believe it took the wise men to travel from wherever they lived, Mesopotamia or somewhere like that, to where Christ was? Do you know how long it took? They believe? Two years. That's right. Hey, Denise, well done. Two years. They left everything behind to find this Christ child. Here's my point. Somehow they understood right back then that he was the main event. He was the reason for the season. They understood that. We don't even know if they were um, believers in God as we understand God now. They call them mag magi. I kind of think of, anyway, it doesn't matter. They call them the magi. Um, they may have been um, musician, uh, um, magicians or something like that. But something happened to them. God came and plucked them out of total obscurity, and said, I want you to go and honor this Christ child. And when they'd seen him, it says, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. Did you catch that? It wasn't then just about the journey that they'd been on leaving everything behind. They probably left wives behind and children, family, for all we know. They left everything to find this baby. And once they'd done that, when they left, they couldn't shut up about him. Wherever they went, they spread that message of good news. Wherever they went, they shared the good news about Jesus. Can I have the music team up, please, Katie?
as his followers here in this church. If all we ever do is get fired up about Jesus at Christmas time, we've sadly missed the point. When you committed your life to following him, he came to live in you. That means wherever we are, wherever we go, we literally take the Christ of Christmas into our community, our city, our nation, the team that go to Thailand, they get to take him over there. We get to spread the good news about him to anyone who will listen. Tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. You know, the Jesus in us, church, and I really want you to get this into your spirit, the Jesus in us, the one that we carry 24-7, should never be consigned just to an annual celebration. Christ in us is a 24-7 deal. We take him with us wherever we go. You know, when you boil it all down, this Christmas celebration is about one thing, one promise, one person, and that person is Jesus Christ. That's who it's about. You know, next Saturday night, as Tori was saying, um, we will, uh, we've got a carol service here. It's an hour long. It starts at 6.30, uh, and uh, we'll go for it's approximately an hour, and we'll sing songs, and we'll have people coming from our community, hopefully, and you'll invite friends and family to come along who probably don't go to church normally, but they'll come along next Saturday night, and we get to sing these songs that put him right in the center of all that we're doing. <clears throat> and then afterwards, this, this time will be different from last year, I think, probably because of COVID, but this time we've got the cafe open. We've got Christmas cake. Haven't we, Murdo? Did you buy this? Yep, you bought all the Christmas cakes. Good on you, mate. Yeah, what else did you get? Yeah, all of it. All of it yeah, it'll all be there. We're going to celebrate. We're going to go, hopefully, and, and catch up with some people. But here's, the, here's what I want you to really really get into your spirit. There will be a bunch of people there that would not normally come into a church to celebrate Jesus. They'd not normally do that. They might go to church for a wedding or a funeral. Can I encourage you, church? Let them see Christ in you. Let them see him in you. Please stand. Let them see this Jesus that you serve. Let them know that this is not just a one-off celebration evening or one-off celebration day on the 25th. Let them know that this is a lifestyle. This is a choice that you have made of your own free will to follow Him, to serve Him, to honor Him, because he lives in you. Now, during the um, prayer meeting earlier on this morning, um, Brenda, I think it was you, had a word that um, you believe that what God was opening up this morning was um, people coming to receive, coming to receive. Here's what can happen. For a follower of Christ. Would you all agree that this year has been a challenge for a whole lot of reasons? Yep. Notwithstanding COVID, we've all had to deal with that. 
Um, but stuff happens in life. The economy is, well, it's not that great. <laughs> House prices have changed. Um, your travel's not as easy as it was, Miriam. Law and order seems to be getting out of control. The hospital system's not that grand. In fact, I was so frustrated by what's going on in our medical system that I um, had a meeting last Friday afternoon with um, our, our, our member of parliament that, that I belong to, um, Poto Williams. Yep, had a face-to-face -face with her, sat down with her. She's a lovely, lovely lady. She was very gracious to me. I went in there with all guns blazing. No, I didn't. I was telling Simon Dodge about it. I went in there because I had a, had a particular situation that I wanted to cheat. She's my member of parliament, you know? And we have, I'm one of her citizens, if you like. We have the right, I'm one of her constituents, sorry. We have the right to go to our MPs and share what we believe um, uh, is important. And she was very, very gracious and sat down there, would have been there for a good, I don't know, two minutes. <laughs> no, I was there for about half an hour. And she heard what I had to say. And she wrote a letter on behalf of what I had to share. And I'm not going to go into details. My point is simply this. It's been a tough year on the medical side of things, has it not? You try to get a, um, a, an appointment with your doctor now, and usually there's about a two or three week waiting period of time. Is that true? Well, that's true for me. Unless if, you, if you've got a doctor that sees you straight away, I want to know their name. I'm switching doctors. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on here. This is my point. A lot of stuff is happening for us as a nation. But here's something that doesn't change. Jesus does not change. God said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So no matter what is going on for you, no matter what, whatever the situation is, whatever hope it is that you have for the future, for, for next year, which is just around the corner, 2023, whatever it is that you have on your heart, that you desire. You know, the Word of God says, bring your, your desires to Him. Bring your cares to Him because He cares for us. Our kids used to sing that song, um, you know that song, um, cast all your cares upon Jesus because He cares for you. You know that? Oh, you're too young, most of you. Well, our son Joseph changes the words. He says, cast your bargains upon Jesus because he cares for you. <laughs> the point is, we serve a God that's interested in you. He's interested in me. He's interested in everything that's going on in your world right now. And if that word is true for you this morning, that this is a time to receive from him, you get an opportunity to do that. We're going to sing, I don't know what we're singing, Katie, um, something you know, like that, that sounds good, yep, great are you Lord, she's wonderful this girl isn't she, she's got it sorted, you give me a lot of confidence Katie, we're going to sing that song, great are you Lord, putting him right in the center, handing over that concern that you have, that health situation maybe that you have or that loved one that you're concerned about, or a friend that you're worried about, 
or, you, or, you, or for your situation. It may well be that, that you're looking for work and that hasn't happened at the moment or you don't know what you're going to do. If you get 13s, I think you go into the big wide world next year. What are you going to do? All of those things, these are legitimate things and Jesus is interested in all of that. All of those things. Bring them to him. Lay them at the foot of the cross. Whatever it happens to be. Now, you might want to do that right where you're standing. Um, get some people to pray for you. Or you might want to come down to the front once the music's quietened down. We'd love to pray for you. But whatever you do, church, do not leave here today the same way you came in. If there is something on your heart that you want to share with him, him, that is him up there, then do it. Don't leave here without doing that. And let's see what this Jesus can do. Let's see what he can do for you. This Christ in you. Let's see what he does. Thanks, Katie.